We're going to come to the time in our service now where we will look at a passage of Scripture, talk about what it means. Two things I'll just say again quickly, especially if you weren't here. This is family service, so we are keeping kids in this morning. We do have pupils at the back if you need a little bit of extra help to make it through. I'll try to be as engaging as I can, but parents, I'll give you the proviso. I know your kids are here. Okay, I know it. So if kids are fidgeting, if, if they're riding the, the toy car on the pew, it's okay. We're going to be all right. We will survive. And also, if English is not your first language, so you know we do have a sermon manuscript at the back if you'd like to follow along that way. Uh, that's something that we've tried to provide for you as well. If you want to take a Bible, there's a brown pew Bible in front of you, or if you've brought your Bible, and turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Our passage begins at verse 9, but we're going to actually start a little bit further back in verse 3 just to give us a bit of context to what we're talking about, but we will stick to 9 to 14 as we talk together. And if you found that, would you stand and let's read together our passage this morning. Colossians chapter 1, if you're using this Brown Pew Bible, it's page 833. And let's read together. Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Paul says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing so among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You understood it from, or you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Now here's our passage, beginning at verse 9. For this reason, so because of everything that he just said there, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And asking for God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. Now, if you are a Bible marker, mark that. Mark those two words, His will. I'm going to say that's actually identical to God's purpose for you. God's will for you. God, to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way. Okay, how do we do that? Bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is God's Word. You may be seated. I'm going to pray for us quickly and just commit this time of coming to God's Word as well to Him. Father, as we come to Your Word now, I want to pray that You would bless this time as well. We want to come to Your Word with humility, asking You to open our ears and our hearts to receive what You want to show us today. That we're excited and we're anticipating what You want to accomplish through Your Word. Because You say Your Word actually accomplishes things in our lives and in our hearts. So would You do that today in each one of us in just the way we need it? And God, I do ask, as always now, would you move and govern my tongue to speak your truth. Amen. All right. I'm going to try to include as many people as I can this morning. So I need three volunteers, 
Okay. I, well, that's four. I can't. So you can all come up, but there's only three things. Come on up and stand right here. Now, I didn't tell you this ahead of time, but there's a responsibility that comes. Come stand right over in front, right up here. There's a responsibility that comes with these gifts I'm about to give you. You're allowed to keep it. You get to keep whatever's in these bags. But when I call on you in the service, when I'm like, that thing that you have, you need to hold it up, all right? This is going to help everyone know what we're talking about, okay? So I'll tell you what. You, can you share? You, you and Greta share? Okay, you too? Okay? Open up your thing. One at a time. Wait, one at a time. Why don't you start, Anna? And just hold it up and tell us what you got. Hairbrush. A hairbrush. Now, what, what's the purpose of what do we use a hairbrush for? Brushing our hair. Brushing our hair. Awesome. Next, next present. What do we got here? Sugar fiend. Open right up. Pull that. Uh, yeah. <gasps> a toothbrush. A toothbrush. What do we use a toothbrush for? What's, what's its purpose? To brush your teeth. So true. Now you guys open yours. What do you got? A toilet brush. A toilet brush. You get, and you get to keep that. What do we use a toilet brush for? Cleaning the toilet. Cleaning the toilet. All right. You go sit down. Hang on to those gifts. Remember to hold them up when I call on you. And we're going to start right now. You ready? A toothbrush. A hairbrush, a toilet brush. <laughs> when each of those things were designed, they weren't designed just to create something. Someone just said, I didn't just want to put some stuff together and make something. Each one of those things was designed with a specific purpose. And we just talked about what those purposes are. Now, even though you can find probably all three of those things in the same room, they don't have the same purpose, do they? There's not a lot of crossover going on between those three things, and it'd probably go pretty bad if you did. Okay, so you're not going to use a toilet brush to brush your teeth. You're not going to use a hairbrush to scrub the toilet. And brushing your hair with a toothbrush, it's not going to be that effective. And yes, everyone who spends a lot of time on Pinterest, yes, I know, you can use a to toothbrush to scrub the toilet. I know that, but guess what? Once you've done that once, it's, it's a toilet brush now. It's not a toothbrush anymore. So... I think we'd all agree, okay? Knowing the purpose for something, knowing why it was designed, is essential. That's an essential thing to know, both so we can use it properly and so it can fulfill its intended purpose. Well, in the Bible, we see almost the exact same thing, that when God created us, He had a purpose as well. He wasn't just creating us for the sake of creating us. The same, some confessions, and over the years it's been said a lot of different ways. I think the most clear statement of what God's purpose was in creating us is this, that God created us to glorify God and to worship Him forever. That was the purpose for which God made us, to glorify God and to worship Him forever. So when God designed us, when He made us, He made us to worship Him and then just by being alive, just by nature of, of us existing, we show the world how, how awesome God is, how creative, how, how beautiful He is, just by nature of us being made in His image and showing that. 
And yet, if you know the story of the Bible, you know that, that as human beings, we lived out that purpose for a whole whopping two chapters of the Bible before Adam and Eve sinned and, and that whole deal got broken. And so now, now, even though God's purpose for why he created us didn't change, well, now we didn't want to live according to that purpose anymore. We couldn't do it anymore. Uh, we started to think that the purpose of our existence was actually us. And uh, everything about how we lived was all about serving our needs and, and serving our desires and wants. And eventually, we couldn't even remember why we were here anymore. A famous uh, writer and author named Mark Twain, which maybe you've heard of, he said this. He said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. The day you were born and the day you find out why am I here at all? Uh, another author recently in a book by the same title said, all of our success in, in business and in life comes from again and again, starting with why. Starting with knowing why. Why am I here? What's my purpose? And as we begin this new season of life as a church, new season of uh, leadership, new school year, new all these things, I want us to do the same thing today together as well. I want us to begin by going back to our stated purpose, our, our stated why for existing as a church, which we've said is, we exist as a church to renew our city and world by demonstrating and declaring the transforming power of the gospel. If you've been here for any length of time, you've heard that a lot, and that's okay. We, we want you to be really familiar with it. And in our culture today, you'll often hear a lot of people talking about finding their why. I've got to find my, my why for my business, find my why for my workout, find my why for whatever it is, because those things uh, help motivate us, they help influence and direct our behavior. Well, our stated purpose, our why as a church, is the thing that motivates us. It's the thing that motivates what we do. It's also the filter by which we gauge all the things that we do as a church because we want it to be in line with what our purpose is. And that's true. That needs to be true of us whether you are seven or whether you're 75. It's all the same. We, we want our purpose to be about this as a church. And the reason for that, the reason it can be the same no matter what, is because... What we're going to see in our passage today as well is that our purpose statement, what we've said about why we're here, it's on the bulletin, it's on the back wall, it's on our website even. It's all about growing out of that. That purpose grows out of the purpose for which God made us. It grows directly out of that. So what we say we want to be about as a church grows out of why God made us. So what we're saying is really God didn't just save us from something. He saved us to something. He saved us to fulfill a purpose for which all of his rescued, recreated children are to live out. So, on this first Sunday of this series that we've called Purpose, Why Are We Here? We're going to talk about, surprise, purpose. We're going to talk about purpose. We're going to ask questions about purpose. What is purpose? Why does it matter? Who cares? How do, how do we do it? How do we find the strength to do it? And what happens if we lose sight of it? And I want to do that not because I think we have lost sight of it, not because I think we have drifted off, but because I want to make sure that we don't. I want to start this way, starting by looking at our why as a church, because if we did lose sight of it, if we did forget what our purpose was, just like in the Garden of Eden, very quickly, our whole purpose as a church, instead of being about what God created us for, but what God wants us to be doing as a church, it would all become again about us. 
Church would be about fulfilling my needs, uh, uh, my wants and my desires, and nothing else. It would be nothing about engaging our community, supporting each other, just be about me. And we don't want that. That's not what God designed us for. Amen. Amen. So, also because, hey, if we stop operating in our purpose, just like with those brushes, hold them up. Brushes. Or the box, whatever. Just like with those brushes, when we try to use things for the way they weren't intended, it doesn't work. It doesn't, doesn't work out. It always goes bad. So same thing for us. We want to operate for the purpose for which God made us. So as we look at our passage this morning, I want to talk really quickly. I'm going to try. This is not easy for me. I'm going to try to talk really quickly about three things that we see as it relates to purpose. We're going to talk about the essential nature of purpose, the inherent difficulty in purpose, and then finally, aligning our purpose with God's. And if you're younger in here and you have no idea what I just said, what we're going to talk about today is why purpose is super important. We're going to talk about why living out our purpose is super hard. And then finally, we're going to talk about why God's purpose for us is way better than ours. All right? Everybody on the same page? This is what we're talking about today. We're talking about purpose. So if you have a Bible and you closed it, can you open it up again to that passage that we read through? I'm going to be pointing to it here and there just to kind of give you a reference point to look at. And we'll follow through with this together. So, let's begin by looking at the essential nature of purpose or why purpose is super important. So, I'm going to begin by asking you guys a question. Why do we need to know what purpose is anyway? Who cares? Why do we need to know what our why is? You ever asked yourself that? Well, I'm going to say one answer to that question is what we talked about with those brushes. When we, thank you, when we know what our purpose is, we know how something is supposed to be used. When I know how to use a toothbrush, I know how it's supposed to be used. I know how to use it because I know what its purpose is. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, one of the things that I loved doing was going out to my shed. Going out to my shed or going into my dad's tool place in the basement and pulling out everything, grabbing all kinds of different stuff and asking my dad, Dad, what's this? What, what does this one do? Oh, uh, how, how do you use this one? And he would tell me. So it was a great opportunity to learn things. Every now and then I would pull out something and I, he would just look at it like, uh, I don't actually know what that is. Uh, where did you find that? Yeah, I don't know what the purpose is. But learning the purpose for those things was the way I learned and, and grew. But if you think about it, not knowing the purpose for a tool, not knowing the purpose for a, an app on your phone or on your iPad or whatever is very different from not knowing your purpose as a human being, not knowing why you exist at all. It's a very different thing, isn't it? So not knowing the answer to that question, that could be really disorienting. That could be really scary, actually, to not know what, why am I even here? What's my purpose? And I don't know about you, but for me, uh, I pray that you've never experienced this before, but I think one of the most hurtful things that you could ever say to somebody, that someone could say to someone else is, you are useless. You're useless. You have no purpose. I think it's one of the most terrible things someone could ever say to us because that's not at all true. Sometimes we hear those hurtful words in the, in the midst of an argument or a confrontation. Sometimes... We actually just hear those words all around us and we don't even know we're hearing them from different voices in our culture. Guys like Richard Dawkins, who if you don't even know who that is, he's just a, a, an angry scientist. And let's listen to his uh, chip review about our purpose as human beings. He says this, 
in a universe of blind... No, I'm not going to do it. In a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some of us are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it or any injustice. The universe that we observe, everything we see around us, the properties, has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Doesn't that just make you feel like crawling up on Rich's lap for a snuggle? He's, he's using different words, but isn't he saying the exact same thing? He's saying to all of us, himself included, you are useless. There is no purpose for you being here. And yet, the message of the, the Bible is, is, is the exact opposite to that. What we read all through the pages of the Bible, what, what even in our passage, it's not as explicit, but we see it here as well, is the exact opposite. You absolutely have a purpose. You are not an accident. You are not useless. You have been designed by a loving creator who formed you perfectly in his image just the way you are. And he's given you both a grand purpose for us all as humans to achieve as well as individual purposes that only you can achieve. Nobody else can do it but you. Now, we don't have time this morning to get into your individual purposes and why God made you individually, but we can talk about why he made all of us and why he brought us together as a church, because actually those two things are almost identical. If you look uh, in our passage here, those first few verses from 9 through 12, Paul gives us a list here. He writes out this amazing list of all these things that he and his student pastor, Timothy, are praying for this church, things that he says he he wants them to know and and experience. Verse 9, he talks about them having spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, living a life that's worthy of the Lord. Talking about all these other things, having strength and endurance, knowing God more and more, all kinds of spiritual fruit as they do this thing. Now, as you think through that list, as you read through those verses, did you pick up on what Paul is describing there in that list of all these things he's praying for the church? Do you know what he's describing with all those things? Glorifying God and worshiping Him forever. There's just different ways of saying it, but it's the exact same thing. That's, he's saying this is how you do it. This is how you live out your purpose. But it's the very same purpose for which God designed the whole human race. But that got buried under sin all the way back in Genesis 3. So the first thing to say from our passage is that you have a purpose. You do have one. God's given it to you. And so you're not useless. You have a purpose. And that's why knowing purpose is so super important. It's why it's essential. It gives us our meaning and value in life. Second thing to say is that knowing our purpose is essential and super important because it gives us direction. It gives us guidance to know where we should be going, what we should be doing. When we know our purpose, we don't invest time in, in things that don't matter or that, that aren't according to our purpose. So toilet brush. If I have a toilet brush, when I know the purpose for that, I don't waste hours trying to think, how can I use that to brush my teeth? Because I know it's got a different purpose. I don't have to waste time anymore because I know what it's supposed to be used for. Same thing for us as a church. When we know what our purpose is, we invest our time and our energies wisely and efficiently because we know what we're supposed to be here for. So we can actually achieve what God's called us to. So that's why purpose is such a big deal and why it's so important to know what it is. But here's the problem. Unfortunately, just having a purpose and knowing a purpose is not enough. 
It's not enough because we also have to do the purpose. I don't know if you've ever been given chores, kids, like scrubbing the toilet, but you can know the purpose of that toilet brush. That's not the toilet brush. You can know the purpose of that toilet brush, but you may not want to use it. You don't want to do what's being asked of you. We, we all grew up doing chores. We all had things that, that we had to do. Maybe some of you have those right now. When I grew up, my, my most unloving chore, the chore that I hated the most, was mowing the lawn. I, I didn't like that chore, and it doesn't sound as bad to, to most of us in Vancouver because if you have a lawn at all, it's probably not that big. But in Kamloops, where I grew up, big lots. Okay, so front and backyard is huge. It's big, and, and, and it, it, instead of taking a few minutes, it took over an hour to mow and rake and weed whack all this, this whole lawn. And I, out in the hot Kamloops heat, I'm trying to get sympathy from you right now. Can I have a big, oh, so bad for you. Okay. Thank you. Pray, pray for my childhood self. How that relates to purpose is I could know the purpose of that lawnmower. I could know the purpose of, of why my dad woke me up on Saturday morning to get out there in the heat and do that. But knowing all that stuff didn't mow the lawn for me. I still had to go out and do it. Okay? And so even, even the bigger problem on top of that was even when I knew the purpose of what it was, I didn't want to do it. I knew what the purpose that my father was calling me to come out and mow the lawn, but what I wanted to do is sit in front of the TV, eat cereal and watch cartoons, right? That's what you do on Saturday morning. It's about, it's about me. So you can probably already see the connection pretty obviously, right? My father had given me a purpose to, to honor him and to, to bless and serve my family, but I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to follow his purpose and live it out. I, I wanted to follow out my purpose, what I wanted to do. And in the same way, we can know what God designed us for, what he created us for, and, and we, can, we can have a purpose, we can know the purpose that gives us all that meaning and direction. But I don't think any of us in here are going to say that we are living perfectly according to God's design for us. Are we? Look at verse 10. He talks about saying that we would live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way. I don't think anyone in here is going to say, yeah, I do that. I please God in every way. We don't. We fail at this all the time. In fact, even when we try to really hard to do it, we fail. We can't do it. It's like there's, there's something broken in us where even though we know what the purpose is, we might even agree with it, we can't do it. We can't carry it out. In another place in the Bible, Apostle Paul says it like this. He says, For I have the desire to do what is good. I know what my purpose is. I want to do it, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And he goes on later to say, who, who will rescue me from this body of death? What Paul is describing there and, and what keeps you and me from continually failing and being able to live out the purpose for which God designed us is that very same sin that infected us all the way back in Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve started there and it's carried on all the way up until now. We still can't carry out God's good purpose. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a diamond or, or like a, an iPhone 7 in, in, a, in a glass case and, and we can see it, maybe we can even hear it ringing, but we can't, we can't get at it, we can't access it. So what do we do? How do we, how do we get to it? How do we live this out? What's the solution? Well, I think Paul shows us two ways that we can do it. I'll cover these quickly. Two solutions about how we can begin to live out the purpose for which God designed us. First one, Paul's going to say, 
what we can't do naturally by ourselves, God does for us. What we couldn't do for ourselves, that purpose we couldn't achieve, God does it for us. We see that, first of all, in verse 9. Look there. Paul says he's praying for this church that they would have spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the implication there is that what we can't see and figure out on our own, God, by the power of his Spirit, opens our eyes to it. He helps us see it and understand it. He helps us to know what it is by his Spirit living in us. And the way that Spirit comes to live in us, we see in verses 12 through 14. Look with me there. I'm going to read it for us. He says, We giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Verse 13, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. So I don't know if you've ever had to qualify for something before. Maybe you've applied for a loan. Maybe you had to get into a, a dance competition or something. Uh, we, we saw in the Olympics just this past summer all kinds of qualifying events that you had to get through before you could do the actual event. So the, the idea was that you had to have, a, you have to have enough equity, enough skill, a, get a high enough score so that you can move ahead. What Paul is saying is that because of our sin, because of our brokenness, actually we're, we're disqualified. We can't, we can't get back to that original purpose that God has for us. But what's awesome is that instead of God just saying, oh, well, guess you're not going to live it out. No, no, no. What God did is he came and actually qualified us by sending Jesus. When Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, he qualified us to be able to get back to that purpose. And then verse 13 and 14 says that once he qualified us in Jesus, God rescues us out of the kingdom of darkness. That place where we couldn't see what he was doing, we couldn't see what the right purpose was, he rescues us out of that kingdom and brings us into his glorious kingdom of light where we can now see what God's intended purpose for for us was and we can begin to live it out. So in a very real sense, what Paul is saying here in this passage is that when God saves us, he actually restores our ability to be able to live out the purpose for which he made us. He brings us back onto the train tracks, if you will, so we can do it. Now, we still don't do that perfectly. We still fail all the time. That's why Paul and Timothy are praying all this stuff for the church. We still need God's help in order to do it. But what Paul's saying here is that God has made a way. He's provided a way for all of us to now get back to to what he originally designed us to do. And all that's required of us is just that simple trusting faith in Jesus and what he did for us in qualifying us. And then we too, today, us here and now, can be qualified. We can be transferred into that same kingdom of light. The second solution that Paul offers, how we can live out that purpose for which God made us, is actually our last point. So the last thing we're going to talk about is aligning our purpose with, with his, or why purpose, why God's purpose for us is way better than ours. Who's got the toothbrush? Okay. What's the, what did we say the toothbrush is used for? Brushing your teeth. How did you know that? Okay, but when, did you know that when you first looked up at a toothbrush when you were one? Did you know that that was... Okay, how did you learn that? Sure, they, they showed you, right? Maybe they did the brush thing, right? Same thing, right. Who's got the hairbrush? Okay, what's that used for? Right, how did you know that it was for brushing your hair? 
you do now, but when you first picked up a brush, did you know what it was for? Or did mom start brushing your hair and you were like, oh, this is used for, oh, this is for hair. So the point is demonstration. We learn the purpose of things also by being shown how to do it, being told how to do it. So in the very same way, I think the second way Paul is saying we get back to God's purpose for us, to live according to the purpose for which he designed us, is by placing us around other qualified, qualified by him, qualified, recreated, rescued people who can help show us what living according to God's purpose looks like. We look around and we can see each other now all together. We can see it demonstrated and we start to see what our purpose is as well. In our passage, we, we can see that just by seeing that this whole letter is Paul and Timothy talking about how they're, they're praying for this church. They're, they're supporting them. They're, they're writing them these letters, showing them what, what living according to God's purpose looks like. He's telling them to, to, to grow in their knowledge of God, giving thanks to God always for rescuing them, doing good works, trying to live a life that pleases God. All through this passage, he's also using that language, we, us, our, that, that, that all y'all kind of language where he's saying, we're doing this together. God has saved us into a community where we learn and grow each other. That's the other way we begin to learn what our purpose is, by seeing it demonstrated in the lives of others. So what that means for us today is that, yes, God saved you individually, but he saved you into a family, into a, a group of people, which we call the church, and all together, we support each other. We come alongside each other as we pray for each other, as we, as we talk and counsel with each other, as we demonstrate life together so we see what our intended purpose is like. So when we just prayed together, when we prayed together, we were demonstrating to each other what God's intended purpose for us looks like. So as you hear someone pray, you might be like, oh, Oh, okay, so I can be really honest in my prayers when I talk to God. I don't have to pretend like everything's okay. okay that, that shows me how to align myself more with how God wants me to communicate with him. When uh, we see people in our church or, or you hear about someone suffering through a real difficult time, but you see them continuing to hold on to their faith, continuing to praise God in the midst of that, we say, oh, okay, so that's what it looks like to continue to trust God. That, that's the way I need to grow in, in being more like what God's purpose is for me. I see what it looks like as I watch them do it. helps me know more how I align myself with God's purpose. We learn more about how to live according to God's purposes as we demonstrate it to one another, as we do that in community. Coming to the end. We're landing the plane, guys. Very last thing I want to say this morning about all of this is that as God qualifies us and rescues us in order to enable us to live according to his original purpose, and as we demonstrate that growing ability, and it is a growing ability, we don't have it at once, but as we grow in demonstrating what it means to live according to our purpose together, there's another benefit that happens. You know what it is? When we do that, other uh, not yet qualified, not yet rescued people see us doing it as well. And they are affected by it. They are interested by it. Their, their interest is, is piqued when they see that. Because imagine this scenario. Let's just say for your whole life, growing up your entire life, you used that toilet brush as a toothbrush. And you always used a toothbrush as a toilet brush. That's just all you knew. That's how you were growing up. That's how you were taught. 
I guarantee you, you're at camp sometime, you're in a bathroom sometime, you see somebody using a toothbrush to brush their teeth, you're going to think they're crazy. You're going to look at them like, what are they doing? That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Why would they do that? Because that's all you've ever known. The same way we would look at someone if they were using a toilet brush to brush their teeth. You'd think they were, why are you doing that? It doesn't make sense. But once the, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, wears off, once the, the mockery and the teasing starts to die down a bit, I guarantee you, as they watch you and as they see it working out, the wheels are going to start to turn. There's going to be a little bit of that. Actually, you know that? That brush seems to fit way better into the mouth. I can't believe they're doing that. But, and look at the way they can reach the back teeth. I've never been able to reach the back teeth with this huge brush. And it starts, to, it starts to make sense as they see it working out, as they see it demonstrated by us, as we try to live according to God's purpose. It demonstrates to them what their intended purpose was as well. And they begin to be interested. And then they start to want to know more. So kids, tell you what, this year, when you befriend a kid that everyone else in the playground is making fun of, nobody wants to know, nobody wants to hang out with, when you do that, uh, 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 university students, when you uh, uh, resist the temptation to uh, just pay somebody to write your term paper, or you resist the temptation to uh, see that uh, exam key that someone's got a hold of, when you resist that, uh, married couples in here, when you love your spouse, when you honor marriage in the way that God intended it to do, even if people are laughing at you, even if people are making fun of you, in the meantime, over time, when they see it, there's going to be a part of them that's also going to say, oh, actually, that, that does seem to work better. That, that seems to make way more sense than what I'm doing. It seems to work out a lot better. So, after a while, even though it might start out looking as dumb as using a toilet brush to brush your teeth, it's going to start to remind them almost, remind them of, of a forgotten memory, a forgotten past that, that now is being stirred up inside them and they realize that is what I was intended for. That is the way it's supposed to be. And they're going to start asking you questions. They're going to want to know, why do you do it that way? That seems to work out way better. Can you tell me about that? And there's our opportunity to share about Jesus, to share about the hope we have in Him. We've been designed by God with a purpose. We lost that ability through sin all the way back at the beginning. But this is almost like a story of, of the lost that's been found because uh, Jesus came to seek us out, to seek and save the lost, and now we've got that ability back again. We do it imperfectly, we do it failingly, but we now have a way to align ourselves with what God's intended purpose for creating us was, individually and as a church. We've been made to know God and to glorify Him, to worship Him forever. That's our why as a church. We state it in this purpose statement, but that's our why as a church. We want to know God more, we want other people to know Him. That's why we're here. And the more we focus on that purpose, the more we make that our why that we go to always as a church, individually as well as as a church family, I believe more and more we're going to see by God's grace and by the empowering of His Spirit, we're going to see that purpose, we're going to see our city and world start to be renewed more and more as we live out that purpose together. You ready to do that together? You ready to start?